Welcome to the Frontline Podcast, brought to you in association with the Atler Group. Atler Group is a collaboration of businesses with a collective history of over 130 years, bringing financial solution to its clients in the world of accountancy, audit, advisory, fiduciary and retirement benefit solutions. Visit atler.im today. On the Frontline Podcast, we chat to leaders in business and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their in-depth and bite-sized opinions that will add value to you and your mind. Tom, thanks for joining me today. I much appreciate some time. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Martin. Uh, perhaps for our listeners, just a, a quick uh, a quick summary of you know, job role, job title, uh, firm, you, firm you're with, and then we can maybe dig into the investment side of things. Yeah, sure. So um, first of all, thanks for, for having me in. Uh, so I'm Tom Richards, Investment Director with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management in the Isle of Man. Um, the office has been in the Isle of Man for 20, 25 years. Um, look after lost local clients, whether it's in own name portfolios, SIP accounts, uh, local trusts, local charities, investment companies, regulated funds, um, and a loss of off-island clients. I think we've probably got a client on every every continent other than the Arctic and the Antarctic, mm-hmm. um, but lots of expats, um, a multi-currency type mandate store, mm-hmm. so big, big client bank. Yeah, big reach, big reach. Yeah. Perhaps for our, for our listeners, just to perhaps a general overview, the, so it's a moving feast constantly, and appreciate this podcast might go in a couple of weeks after it was recorded, but as a general high level, what are you seeing in the investment arena? We, we see a lot, certainly in the fiduciary space where, where we do some business, ESG's talked about, we talked a little bit off air about debt, uh, and the value of debt at the moment, etc. Maybe just your, you know, let our listeners know what where you, where you feel those those where you see 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 things within the investment market for them. Yeah, sure. that's a pretty broad question. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, it's a broad investment universe when you, when mm-hmm. we look at the multi asset class portfolios. We've got fixed interest, equities, and different parts of the alternative spectrum. Um, we tend to hinge the portfolios around their sort of neutral strategic asset allocation. So how much do we have in equities? How much do we have in bonds long term? And then one, one of our jobs as, as active managers is to try to find those short term opportunities. So we'll typically have a number of positions within the portfolios at any at any given time. And it's a really interesting juncture, I think, with, with um, global markets at the moment. Obviously, the pandemic almost came out of nowhere very, very quickly in the, at the beginning of last year. Uh, the um, the COVID virus spread around the world and then obviously we have the shutdown, global markets had big falls in, in Q1 equity markets last year. Um, and then a, an almost equally rapid bounce back and most you know most equity markets other than the UK um, and lost the, man, the portfolio mandates we run would have ended up in, in positive territory last year, high single digit performance. Um, and then this year with continued very low interest rates, fiscal stimulus, um, and the and the the the, the, the um, opening of economies um, that's 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 enabled by the rollout of the vaccines globally, uh, we're seeing continued equity market gains. Um, but lots of those sort of larger movements upwards are now behind us, so it very much feels as though the investment world is at a, a turning point or a decision point at the moment, and it's 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 treading water, waiting for the next direction to become clear. Um, obviously, we're going into the winter. There are, you know, risks with um, sort of overload to the various health systems, a possibility. Um, but but our position is still reasonably positive, looking at the broad factors I've, I've mentioned: the stimulus, ultra low interest rates, 
and the continued corporate um, earnings recovery feeding through to the bottom lines, consumer spending, falling unemployment leads us to be generally sort of um, constructive on, on risk. Okay. And is that, that drop in unemployment, et cetera, is that a global, a global thing that's happening? I think I think it is from from the if we wind the clock back to the beginning of last year, the most major economies were at their sort of fully employed status, i.e., unemployment figures of perhaps three, four, five percent. It's difficult for, for for economies to get get below that number, um, and then we saw this rapid spike up as the pandemic arrived. Lockdown happened um, in in the short term. Unemployment numbers um, and a loss of government support obviously in the, in the forms that we know about, um, both to individuals concerned and, and to their company employers. Um, and, an, and, and an almost equally rapid fall then in un, unemployment as economies have started saving up again. One of the, the factors now really is, is the skill set of the available workforce. So it, it almost feels as though the world hasn't changed overnight, but the, the areas of the economy that were, were staples of the economy that were growing, whether it was retail, whether it's travel and leisure, or traditional banking, uh, people commuting into the office and feeding that local infrastructure around the city centres. It almost feels like that's, that's yesterday's world, and today's world is more flexible, remote working, uh, the, uh, the focus now on, on climate change and sustainability, uh, the focus on digital infrastructure. Um, so it's, it's very much a question in the investment portfolios who are trying for us, for us to try to find the winners in the new economy and then reduce our exposure to what feels like yeah. previous yeah, stories. Very interesting. And you mentioned now sustainability. So it, I think ESG has been around uh, the conversation for, for a while and it continues to gain momentum. I assume you see more and more of that from clients and clients interested in having that as part of their portfolio. Absolutely. So I think uh, it, it is what, what a few years ago would have been relatively niche, in, in my, certainly in my experience, it was relatively rare for a client to put um, a sort of ethical restrictions on portfolios. Um, it's almost become mainstream. And we, we, we typically don't see clients nowadays, you know, most clients putting restrictions on their portfolios, but they'll be interested in our investment process interest in the, in the various filters that we apply as we work through the approved funds that we have on our list or the approved stocks that we have on our lists how do you um you know how do you, how do you sort of root capital into companies which are trying to do good in the world trying to have sustainable business practices and uh, and support the various stakeholders of course there are still a few have more formal restrictions and then those we can cater for but it very much feels as though, as though the world has changed. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see. And then on an economic level, and it's, again, a very broad question, uh, again, as a non-investment person, the, the dynamics of Trump some time ago and the, 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 the battles within the economic powers, how do you, obviously time's moved on since then, but in this recovery phase, if we're still in that, how, how do you see that you know, playing out? China still continues to push on, I guess. America, I don't know. Yeah, where, where do you see those sort of big players? Are they, you know, still moving in the right direction, making the right sounds? When you're looking at it, then from an investment perspective. Yeah, there, there are two different prisms here. One is the is the um, the political and economic reality of the situation, and I, and I think there is a strategic rivalry that's becoming more obvious between, uh, particularly the United States and China. Uh, and, and that's becoming increasingly fractious. 
Uh, and then there's the investment prism, where we're trying to position portfolios to take advantage of opportunities and then minimise you know, the, the, the downside risks. Um, and sometimes those two completely overlap. Sometimes they, they, they can be quite different. Um, I think the the world is 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 um, is becoming more uh, more fractious, more confrontational. There is a big strategic standoff between East and West. That's not to say that it's a one way street. Of course, there are accommodations around the side, but it's something that we're sort of increasingly aware of. Yeah. Is increasingly in the papers, um, and it's and, and it's. You know, it's both a risk and an opportunity yeah. for us within portfolios. Yeah, yeah, just another dynamic to those investment selection thought yeah, processes. Yeah, sure. So one of the things I wanted to chat about as well today is we, uh, again, within the Atlet Group, we do retirement solutions, pensions, and I, I'm always conscious in that I, I do feel in the modern world, let's call it now, and, and as days as days plow on and plow on, everyone's time horizon for everything is we want it now, 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 now. And I just think when certainly when you look at investments, that's the one thing that always needs time. So when I look at retirement solutions and, and, and people saving within pensions for that, that long-term time horizon, maybe talk a bit about how you kind of manage expectations as well, because these are long-term investments and not to be looking at portfolio valuation every day, this the perspective of dealing dealing with that. And then when you're managing that, how, you know, like say how you work with clients to, to manage that expectation over an extended period of time. Yeah, no, it's... it's uh... It's a fascinating subject. It's, it's as much in human psychology mm-hmm. as, um, yeah. as, as you know, investment management. Um, you know, I, I have clients who look at their online valuations every day. I have clients who look at them every six months. Uh, some clients who, who ride ride the rise and fall of markets easily. Some who become you know sort of cautious. Um, and I think that the, the first fundamental thing is to to establish. In big picture terms, you know, what is your long-term objective with, with a portfolio? Whatever the type of underlying client, there is an objective uh, with, with the investment portfolio, something to try to attain with it. Uh, and, and often with, a, with an investment portfolio, with a, um, with, sorry, with a pension portfolio, the, the first objective is likely to be long-term capital growth. And then at a point, um, a generation of income to pay out to the member, and possibly then going into drawdown. Um, and and for us, I think it's 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 useful to remember the time horizon because, you know, you, you could have a, a client who is fifty five and looking to retire in five years, and the client will think they have a five year time horizon, but you know, with with um, with a bit of luck, the client has a twenty five or thirty year time horizon, yeah. but there might well be two distinct phases to the investment. The first one is approaching retirement, and then the portfolio will be repositioned at the point of um, drawdown. To then to, to then fulfil a different need, so it's trying to set the right long term strategy for the portfolio, uh, and then just adapt that as people's lives change because people's lives you know do change. Yeah. All their lives have twists and turns, and then that we don't necessarily foresee, and the portfolio should always be designed to suit the the clients at that time. It's interesting the psychology point you mentioned. Uh, yeah, kind of guiding the client through that and I'd almost imagine slapping the client's hand when they're logging in say don't log in just leave it go go and go and do what you need to do it's long term remember so I think one sorry just on yeah. that point one of the, the the jobs of the investment manager is to look after their clients to be accessible to be you know reactive when things are required and and probably the best example of that is is when there is a difficult market period so again if we roll the clock back to Q1 last year 
you know, I had a number of um, nervous clients. And, and unfortunately, human psychology doesn't get nervous when markets are high. It gets nervous when markets are low, that there might be further falls. And this invariably, with the benefit of hindsight, turns out to be the, the right place to stay invested or even add new cash where new cash is available. So the, the, the job of the investment manager is trying to steer a steady course through those difficult times as well and just help those clients that need the help. Yeah, yeah. Staying calm in those situations. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, thanks for joining me. Just for people who want to reach out, learn a bit more about your services, uh, have a chat, have a coffee, I'm sure you're open to that. What's the best way to contact you, Tom? So uh, we, um, obviously the Isle office, have emails, telephone numbers, you will... Um, I'll stick them on our footnote. Yeah, 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 please, thank okay. you. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for coming in, sharing a bit of uh, the present environment that we're in and chatting a little bit about pensions, because as sad as I sound, I quite like the pension chat. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for listening, everyone.